So this morning is a is a short section, but it's packed. It's packed. So um, um, I pray that I can uh, humbly teach this class because I'd be surprised if everyone of you agrees with with me and uh, with a. Uh, I believe is the right interpretation of this of this passage. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter six, and first section is going to be one through five, the Lord Lord of the Sabbath. But uh, before we get started, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord. We are thankful that you are our Lord and you are Creator of heaven and earth. We bring our praises or, or, or prayers to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we ask you that uh, they may, our prayers may be purified through the uh, intercession of your Holy Spirit. They may ascend to you as a pleasing aroma. We ask you, Lord, as we come to your word, that you bless us, that you illumine your word to us, that uh, we may ha- have a open heart to, to uh, listen to your words and be receptive to what you want us to learn from your word this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. Okay, if someone could please, oh the handouts are over there, uh, hopefully every one of you got a, one of them, if not they are back there. Um, if someone could please read Verse 1 through 5. Luke 6? Luke 6. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Whenever you're ready. On the Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread in the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those with him. And he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Perfect. It's quite a short section, but it's really packed. So... Uh, why did the Pharisees find objectionable in the, uh, in the disciples' actions? So here we see that the, the Jesus and, the, and his disciples are walking on the Sabbath day, Saturday. They're tired, they're hungry, they're exhausted. So they're going through, a, through a, to someone else's field, and they are eating some grain. So verse 1 says, his, his disciples were picking and eating the heads of, of grain. And in verse 2... The Pharisees say, why do you do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? So, first question here is, was this action forbidden? And if someone could please read Deuteronomy 23.25. What verse was that, brother? Uh, 23.25, Deuteronomy. Um, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, yeah. Deuteronomy. Yeah, yeah, sorry. If you go into your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck the ears with your hand, but you shall not put sickle to your neighbor's standing grain. Perfect. So, I mean, the answer is no. I mean, there's nothing wrong of what they were doing. So the disciples were not harvesting. 
they were not threshing, they were not preparing the grain, they were just trying to get some basic uh, nourishment into their, into their bodies. So, and there's a law that provides an, an, an avenue to do that. So the Pharisees here were re referencing the, uh, pretty much the myriads of laws that they, were, they added by their rabbinical tradition. So I'm, I'm glad I, I, got a, I was asked to teach this particular class because for a while I kind of wanted to dig into, uh, into all of the laws of the, of the Pharisees that were rabbinical tradition. And this kind of gave me an opportunity to do that. Now, I must confess that um, it's still very limited, my knowledge in, the, in, in this subject, but um, I guess it would have been way easier if I knew Hebrew, but I, I don't, so. Um, but, so this law, so the first I'm referring to, it's, it's gonna be the Mishnah, which is, um, it's part of the Talmud, but it is the Mishnah, it's a record known as the Oral Torah the oral Torah, not the written Torah, which is an important distinction. The written Torah is what we know as the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses. The oral Torah, it's uh, the Mishnah, there are pretty much 39 major categories with hundreds of subcategories of labor that was prohibited on the Sabbath. So all that, that, those 39 categories with sub, hundreds of subcategories is just dealing with the Sabbath. So Jewish Theologians and scholars claim that the oral Torah was given by, by Moses when he came down from Mount Sinai. Now, that, that is their claim. Uh, what really happened was that uh, as time passed, uh, the rabbis, as they were teaching, as they, they were uh, uh, trying to explain the scriptures, they were, they were telling their, op their opinion. So with the, time of, uh, with the pass of time, their opinions became into laws. So I don't think there was malice in anything what they were doing. I mean, uh, it just it just got mixed, and it got to a point where they they they, they took the um, their opinions as actual law, and that was the problem. So, and I got this from some Jewish publication, but it says that the rabbis decreed that no that one not only should avo avoid forbidden acts but also must not do anything that resembles a prohibited act, that resembles a prohibited act or could be confused with it. It's a habit linked with a prohibited act. So resembles linked with a prohibited act or usually leads to perform, performing a prohibited act. So if it even resembles or it's even linked to a prohibited act, so I mean, um, so pretty much, uh, so that some of, some of the major categories were like like caring in the Sabbath, burning, extinguishing, finishing, writing, erasing, cooking, washing, sewing, tearing, knotting, untying, shaping, plowing, planting, ripping, harvesting, threshing, and etc. But so if there's any of those categories that is even resembles or it's linked to to those things, those things would also be prohibited. So if you were to add. Um, Fresh water to uh, to a pot of uh, a pot of flowers. I mean that's related to because uh, uh, you're you are uh, you're causing or you're furthering the growing of of of, of, a, of a plant. So that's prohibited. If you are you go home uh, and you see that an apple is already gone bad, so and you take it out, you are separating a good fruit from the bad from from, uh, from the spoiled fruit. So that's winnowing, selecting, 
shifting. So it's related, it's linked. So that would also be a prohibited act. So, I mean, you can just imagine uh, how, I mean, to be honest, I wouldn't, I would be terrified just to get out of bed uh, and just to think that uh, every single thing that I normally do without, without even thinking about it might be a sin that, that day. But that just because of all of the, all of, all of the myriads of laws that they added. And so, I, I mean, I guess no wonder why Jesus said that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, and then, well, next question, let's see. Why did Jesus refer to David and the bread of the, of the, of the present, the showbread, in the first Samuel chapter 21, verse 6? Um, well, and here Jesus is pretty much replying to the false accusations of the Pharisees. And what he is doing, he's directly attacking their, 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 their pride. He's telling him, you, you are the teachers of the law, but you are so ignorant, ignorant of, what, of what the law of God actually teaches. Um, that it seems that you have never read it before. That's why Jesus is like, haven't you read what the scriptures say? So um, he's saying, I mean, you might be masters of the law, of, of man's tradition, but you are so ignorant of God's law. So he's directly attacking their, their, their pride because they were, they were proud, like, oh, that they were, they, they were uh, knowledgeable of the law of God. But in First uh, Samuel chapter 26, we read of Saul, and we, we, not, not so long ago we went over First Samuel, so hopefully it's kind of uh, fresh in our minds, but um, it was a story when Saul was anointed king of Israel, and he is consumed uh, by jealousy of, uh, of David to the point that he wanted to kill him. He wanted to destroy him. And he, uh, David pretty much just runs away. He's an outcast and, and, and an outlaw. He's with a, a few of their men. And Saul is persecuting him. Uh, and with such um, rage, I mean, that, I mean, he literally became demon-possessed. So, I mean, he's, he became pretty much a maniac. So... They, um, he, David goes with a few of his men. They come to the priest Abimelech, and I mean they were hungry. I mean pretty much like the disciples. They 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 were tired. They were hungry. They were exhausted. Um, and the priest Abimelech had compassion on them, but um, the only thing he had was uh, the, the the bread that was used on the table of the uh, of the, of the showbread, the bread of the, of the presence. So what he does is that he gives them. Of that bread that is uh, that it's technically uh, only for the priest and David and his men they were no priest so the uh, in this in that section I mean um, the Bible has no uh, has doesn't give the slightest hint of rebuke or admonition um, to uh, to what they to what uh, David did or what Abimelech did. So with Saul, we in if you go back a few chapters, you would read that pretty much the reason why he got kicked out of the of of, of, of the throne because it was because he broke the cer cer ceremonial law. So if David would have done the same, I mean we would have heard about it and we would have read it in the Bible. So what I'm saying is that uh, what David did, what Abimelech did was not wrong. Even though the bread was only for the priest, uh, the priest had compassion, had mercy on them, and he gave it to them. So, like I said, I mean, if 
if it would have been something wrong for David to do, we would have heard it at, uh, in those chapters, but the, the Bible is silent. There, there's nothing there. And I think that we would have heard about it. But um, then next section, we just wanna talk about a, in, an important distinction, which is the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law. So the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law. Um, the intention of the law, that's going to be the spirit of the law versus the, the letter of the law, which is going to be the little meaning of the law. So the spirit of the law has to do with the deeper meaning or the reason why for the law, while the letter of the law refers to the exact wording. So, for example, if you tell your, your child uh, you have to do your chores before you can watch a movie, then a few minutes later, you find your child playing outside, and and he probably would be like, "What? You didn't say anything about playing outside." So you, as a parent, you would be mad, you would be upset, like you knew what I meant. You needed to do your chores. So in that case, the child probably he obeyed the letter of the law. I mean, he didn't watch any movies before doing doing his chores, but he disobeyed the spirit of the law. That was what what the parent intended to, to tell the, the child. So, in the, for example, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, is in, which is actually the next section after this, uh, the condensed version in Luke, but uh, the, the uh, expanded version is in, is in Matthew, but in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is pretty much doing that. He's interpreting the Mosaic law according to the spirit of the law. So he says, sure, the law for, forbids adultery, but uh, the spirit of the law says that lust is breaking the law. Uh, the law forbids murder, but um, being anger, in, in, in anger against your brother, that's, that's breaking the spirit of the law. And, and why is that? Because, I mean, uh, murder first begins with, with uh, anger. So uh, according to Jesus and his interpretation uh, of the law, obeying the letter of the law is not it's not enough it's not a it's not a be obedience to the spirit of the law you have to be obedient to the spirit of the law to be actually uh, obedient so that now like it's gonna uh, backtrack just a little bit in the case of david so like i said only the priests are allowed to eat the, uh, the showbread the bread of the presence that was in the tabernacle now david and his men were in need of food and they asked abimelech for food Abimelech allows David and his men to eat it because of their state of necessity. So, the question here, when it, it becomes important in, in this passage of Luke, is then how do we make sense of Jesus' uh, words that seem to imply that what David, what David did was wrong? Um, so, let me read actually the parallel, parallel uh, passage in Matthew chapter 12. Um, well, I'm going to read from 1 through 8. At the time, Jesus went through the, the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples became hungry and, became, and began to pick the heads of grain and eat. But when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples do what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he became hungry, 
he and his companions, how he entered the house of God and they ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for him to eat, not for the, nor, nor for those with him, but for the priest on, uh, alone? Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple break the Sabbath and, uh, and, and are innocent? But I say to you that something greater than that the temple is here. But if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So here in Matthew, I mean, he adds that section of... Uh, um, that on the Sabbath, that priests in the temple break the Sabbath uh, and are innocent. And so, I mean, that's a, that's a difficult section to understand. I mean, what does it mean that on the Sabbath, the priests uh, break the Sabbath and are innocent? They are blameless. So, um, so like I said, there's just two, two, two things. And one is what I already mentioned that in in our passage in First Samuel, there's absolutely nothing that says that what they, David did was wrong. Uh, so that's our clue number one to, to know that there's something else going on there. So if it's not wrong what David did, what does Jesus mean in this other passage? And like I said, it only seems to imply but because what Jesus is doing, I mean, you cannot, you cannot hear it in his words. He's, there's a little bit of sarcasm. In, in his words, Jesus is telling the Pharisees, well, apparently to your own, own standards, David was in sin, which he wasn't, but the, that's what Jesus is saying. He's also saying, uh, apparently, if we follow your own standards, Pharisees, uh, the priests break the law and they are blameless. So he's using sarcasm to, to point them like, you're, you're, you're just following your law, you're following man's tradition, but that's not what the law actually means. You're adding extra stuff to, to the law. So that's how we, uh, we should understand this pas passage there. And again, just because we're comparing the, what the scripture says in, in, in the passage, passage in, in Samuel, and that is helping us understand this other passage here in, in, in the New Testament. So now bring it back to the, to the, to the disciples. In their case, they were eating the grain, uh, uh, that, that, and the Sabbath, the Sabbath law was not broken because it was out of necessity. They, they, they needed to eat. They, they were hungry. So now this kind of brings us to the actual application. So what does this passage teach us about Jesus' authority and understanding of the Sabbath? So uh, I'm going to read, and I think it should be there in your handout. Uh, yeah, it's there, so you can follow along. That's from the Second London Baptist Confession of Faith, which we went through not so long ago. But in reference to the Sabbath, it says, The Sabbath then kept holy unto the Lord when men, after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering their common affairs aforehand, do not only observe a holy rest all day from their own works, words, and thoughts, about their worldly employment and recreations, but are also taking up the whole time in the public and private exercises of his worship and in the duties of necessity and, uh, and mercy. So, um, by the way, uh, I didn't explain this, but I'm, I'm hoping <coughs> that you guys are understanding where I'm coming from. So when, I'm, when we're reading about the Sabbath, here in the New Testament, we are talking about the seventh day, uh, the Jewish 
Sabbath. So now when we're talking here in the confession and how it applies to us, we are talking about the, the Lord's Day, the first day. And we can talk about how that transition was made, but uh, just want to make sure that that was, that, that was clear. I'm not talking about uh, that we should uh, observe the Sabbath as, uh, as the Jews did like on, on the seventh day on Saturday. Uh, but so the, the confession says that works of necessity and of mercy are to be especially done on, on the Sabbath. So this is a way that I, I found a helpful of uh, just looking at, at the fourth commandment dealing with the Sabbath. So um, for a long time, I, I saw it as a list of, uh, of do not. You shouldn't do this. You cannot do that. But now I'm understanding more, it's, it's, a, it's a list of do's. Uh, it is a day ordained by God uh, to be set apart to honor him, and inevitably for our enjoyment. After all, the, 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 uh, the end chief of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So when we honor him, we are actually partaking in that enjoyment uh, while God is glorified. So um, it is a day of the week where we are free of all our worldly affairs, that's what I'm saying, it's a list of do's, not a list of, of don'ts. It's a list when um, we can put away all of our earthly anxieties and, and troubles, and, and when we finally have time to, uh, to rest, to uh, prepare our hearts for, uh, for heaven, we can go to church, we can read the Bible as, as much as we want, we can pray as much as we want, we can have fellowship with other believers, um, we can read books, listen to sermons, sing songs with a family. Everything and anything that fixes our mind and our hearts uh, in Christ. And, I mean, that should be the desire of every Christian. I mean, that, that's what we should want to do. Uh, and, but I'm sure that there's some of you uh, this morning that would say, like, well, uh, if I'm honest with myself, I, I don't feel like that all the time. Sometimes I have to force myself to read the Bible. Sometimes I have to force myself, like I have to remind myself to pray. It's not like I'm, I know I have to desire those things, but I, I don't feel, I don't feel like that all the time. So if, if, if that's you, I mean, that means that the, that the Sabbath, the Lord's Day, it's, uh, it's especially made for you. It's a, it's a blessing, it's a, an opportunity for you to do all of those things. So um, even though you don't feel that way, uh, it's an opportunity to train your heart. It's, it's the more you practice holy living, even though you don't feel, you don't feel like it, the more you practice holy living, the, the more you will find yourself loving uh, the, the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ more and more every single day. So... With that, let me pause for a moment, and I'm going to be shocked if there's no questions or, or, or any, any comments, anything that uh, you guys want me to clarify, because it's, it's, a, it's a difficult passage to understand, and I'm sure not everyone has the same concept of, of the Sabbath as, as I'm explaining it right now. Uh, like I said, it's uh, when... We refer to the Sabbath in, in as part of the New Covenant. Um, we are not referring to the seventh day, Saturday, but the Lord's Day. Um, and it's a day that is fully dedicated to, uh, I mean, like, like the confession, that's why I love how the confession framed 
frame this, it says, um, where did it go? That uh, we prepare our hearts and our common affairs beforehand, so before the Lord's Day. And on the Lord's Day, we, we, um, we take a rest from our works, from our, our, da- our daily work, but also our words and our thoughts from our worldly employment and even our recreation. So it's a day that should be fully dedicated in the public and in private. So public in the corporate worship and in private in our families as we uh, have a family worship or whatever way of, uh, of, um, of practicing um, the study of the, of, of the Bible, prayer, whatever it looks like for you in, in, your, in your family. So. Um, that's what I'm, I'm talking about here in, in this section. So any questions, anything at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gert, um, do you think maybe it's possible that it was um, a violation of the letter of the law for David and his men to eat showbread? Because that, that was intended only for the priest, but the reason it's not condemned is because as... Jesus is making the point. It, was, it wasn't wrong in God's eyes because human need um, supersedes, you know, the letter of the law. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think that if you look at it technically, technically, yeah, because uh, that's what it is with the, with the letter of the law. The letter of the law is technically. Um, it's what you are uh, are supposed to do, but uh, like, it's, like you said, I mean, yeah, it's... Uh, since the point of the law was to was to give the priest the opportunity to have themselves some nourishment, um, it was the same. So, so when 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 the priest gives gives bread to to uh, David and his men, I mean, sure we, we can we can put it that way and say technically, yeah, he broke the law if you, uh, in some regard. Like, I I wouldn't I wouldn't say like that though, just because. At the end, he's obeying the spirit of the law. He's, he's still obeying the, what the law was meant for, to have compassion and have, uh, have, and have mercy on others. And that's why, if, as we read the Old Testament, we see it over and over and over. Um, you offer me sacrifices, but I require mercy and compassion. And you do the right things technically, but you are still disobeying the spirit of the law. There's still no... Uh, there's no mercy, mercy no, no, no compassion. But yeah, uh, in, in, in one aspect, yeah, I, w- I would say that, yeah, technically. Mm-hmm. Would they practice this from sunup to sundown, or was it to mean an entire, like how, what was their time? So I, yeah, I, I, I believe that in the Jewish, um, I don't know, calendar, whatever you want to call it, it's from 6 in the morning to, to 6, p, uh, 6 p.m. So, well, from 6 p.m. to, to 6 a.m. So, sundown, sundown. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Right, so they mm-hmm. really practiced it towards dinner, thoughtful prayer, and then gone to sleep, and the next morning woke up again. Is that what you're saying? I mean, yeah, I guess it, just that's how, uh, in, their, in their context, I mean, uh, they would start, the day would start at 6 p.m. Sure, I don't know what time they would go to, go to sleep, but they would wake up, like, they, it was an agrarian culture, so I'm, I'm sure they would woke up uh, early, early in the morning, and, and, and do, do, do their thing. So it's still a, technically a full day, but yeah. So when it, when it comes to us in our practice, uh, when, I mean, yeah, we, we talk about that the whole day, um, 
I wouldn't say that it's okay, strictly it has to be at midnight and it's the cutoff, uh, anything like that. But yeah, I just, the, the, the point is that the, the, the whole day, the whole Lord's so the Day, whole, the whole Sunday should be a day of observance. Mm -hmm. I hope that make, make, makes sense. Any other questions, concerns, or disagreements there? Yeah, just following up mm -hmm. on, on my last question. Um, yeah, you gave the example of the kids. Mm -hmm. uh, that they followed the letter of your law, but not the spirit of it. Like you said, the spirit. That's mm -hmm. intense. That's kind of the opposite example of this, yeah. where you can follow, um, you're breaking the letter of the law, but you're following the intent of it. You're following the spirit of it. Mm -hmm. Which they weren't going in just willy-nilly taking the showbread. They were right. Baking it because they needed it. The priest didn't. They probably baked, you know, ten loaves, or whatever, and probably didn't need that much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the reason why, like, I'm pretty sure that I'm correct, and uh, when I'm in regards to David eating of the uh, of the bread, it's. Um, Again, just because we literally just a few chapters earlier, we see Saul doing breaking the ceremonial law. He offered sacrifices that they, he was not supposed to do, and he lost the kingship. I mean, he was cast away. He, I mean, it was it was a, a big deal. I mean, and you see the prophets. Um, as soon as David does something, I mean, he, they come and tell him, "You are in sin." So, if David would have done something, there would there would have been somebody that would have told him, "You have sinned." You need to repent, but there's nothing there. Um, so that's why uh, that's 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 pretty much the reason why. But just by taking, which is I mean one of the ways we, we should interpret scripture, when we find a, a difficult passage like this one in Luke, that Jesus seemed to imply something else. We take the rest of the Bible, the parts that are clear, the parts that that, that are according to the. Uh, um, to the apostolic tradition, and then with, with, those, with those things in mind, we're able to interpret the difficult passages. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's... The priest would have been mm -hmm. complicit in some way if he would have said it's okay whenever it wasn't okay. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a good point. I mean, I, I mean certainly there are more, more ceremonial laws that they needed to, to keep. And, I mean, and we need to understand the, like, the, the whole why behind the ceremonial law, the civil law, which is was to keep Israel apart, to keep them clean, to keep them pure as they were... 
uh, as, the, as, as the seed of the woman, where we read all the way from Genesis, is promised to come, so the line of the Messiah has to be kept intact. And uh, so all of those ceremonial laws were, f were for there for that reason. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, that's another reason why. I mean, uh, yeah, he's still showing mercy and compassion, but he still, he's, uh, like, it's not like he forgot the ceremonial law. Like, oh my goodness, he, they, need, they need food. Let's give him food. No, they, he, he knew what he was doing. He knew the, 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 uh, what, what the law said. So, but in compassion, in mercy, uh, he gave him some food. Mm -hmm. Yes, Right. Yeah. So, and by the way, this was my opinion bef way before I, 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 I became a police officer. But, um, for example, with my wife, she's an ER nurse. And what she does, I mean, this is what I told her a, a while ago. I mean, because she asked me, like, should I work on Sunday? We, we need some, some extra money. Well, like, okay, the, uh, the reason why you would be going to work is because, yeah, we need the money. But uh, for that reason, I mean, yeah, you shouldn't go to work because you uh, because you're you're not doing it to uh, to uh, you're not trying to, like to sacrifice yourself. Like now, if we're talking that there's some national catastrophe and they need nurses and it's and it's Sunday, yeah, that's exactly an act of mercy and a, 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 a work of, of need that you have to do. Um, in my case, for example. Uh, it's, I mean, it's that's literally the same situation where I am. I mean, there's, there are so few officers. I mean, every single day we're just low. I mean, there, so, some days that we have like three, three officers for, for the, for the our whole division taking care of, I don't know, I mean, how many hundreds, thousands of, of people. So, I mean, yeah, we are low. So that's one of the reasons that, uh, that it's, it's allowed so for the military as well. So th those type of, of jobs, they fall into uh, works of, uh, of, of necessity, of, of, of mercy. So now if you are a salesman and you are selling printers, is that a, uh, need mercy? No, it's not. So uh, that's, that's the distinction there. Um, so does that make sense? Yeah. Now you could also say that. I'm sorry, can I ask? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so just because we we need immersion, I mean, I mean, we were not at a point where we were starving. <laughs> we had a roof over our heads. We had food on the table. We just needed extra money. So did you say yes or did you say no? So I, I don't. I mean, no. There's. I mean, there's really no, no need, no mercy. I mean, it's just us. Yeah, I want to have some more money. So. Mm -hmm. And, but another act of mercy would be helping your brother. Maybe you are a. Um, Maybe you are you, you you know how to put to put up, build up fences anything like that and you, and your brother it's uh, has cattle and their cattle is going away so you 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 would do your work that would be an act of mercy when you are helping uh, your brother or sister but um, let's move on and if you guys have more questions I'll uh, feel free to come with me at, at the end uh, verse five 
which is also crucial. It says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So this is one of the most radical statements that, we read, uh, that, uh, that Jesus uh, says. So it's, it's kind of on par with his I am statement. So last time, last, uh, not last Sunday, but uh, the Sunday before, uh, if you remember, I told, I told you guys that on that passage, we see implicit statements of, God, of, of, God, uh, of Jesus claiming to be God. He, him knowing the, the thoughts of men and him being able to forgive sins. Those are implicit um, claims of deity. But in here, by claiming to be the Lord of the Sabbath, that's not implicit. That's an explicit way of saying, I am God. Because who instituted the Sabbath? So it wasn't Moses on Mount Sinai. It wasn't Abraham. It wasn't Noah. It was God himself at creation. So... The Sabbath is a creation ordinance. So God instituted the Sabbath at creation. It is a, crea- a creation ordinance. So God did not rest on the seventh day because he was tired, because he was exhausted. He rested because to be an example for us to follow. So when Jesus is calling, calling his, himself the Lord of the Sabbath, he's literally calling himself creator of heaven and earth. He, the, we see the Father in creation uh, resting on the seventh day as an, an example for us to follow when he's done with his work of creation. Now we see Jesus here in the New Testament um, resting from his work, not because he needed the rest, but to be an example for us to follow in his work of recreation, in his work of redemption. So that's what I'm saying. It's, it's an explicit example. It's saying, I am creator of heaven and earth. So, and uh, many would say here that the that, uh, there's a lot of people who would say that uh, Jesus ha- abolished the Sabbath. Um, but uh, it doesn't make sense when you, when you read that he declares himself the Lord of the Sabbath. Why would he declare Lord of something that he just came to abolish, that he just came to destroy? It's like someone who buys a, a castle. He pays millions of dollars to buy the castle. Then he pays millions of dollars to renovate the castle. He throws a big party and he says, I am the man of the castle. The next day he goes and destroys the castle. Like... How does that make sense? You're not the man of the castle. There's no castle. So if Jesus abolished the Sabbath, I mean, why would he declare himself to be the Lord of the, of the Sabbath? So when, when Jesus is declaring himself the Lord of the Sabbath, he's also saying he's pretty much liberating the fourth commandment uh, uh, from all of the uh, uh, superstitions, all of the ungodly traditions that the Pharisees have added to the commandment. And to, again, to reveal the spirit of the law that was always intended uh, to to be. Now, another another thing that uh, people would say is that Jesus, uh, when he talks about the Sabbath, the Sabbath was made for the Jews only. But um, I'm not going to ask you to read it because we are short on time, but on Mark 2.27, which literally deals with the same account, same passage, but now in Mark, it says that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So it doesn't say that the Sabbath was made for the Jews. It says it was made for man, for mankind. For it was, Like I said, it's a creation ordinance for all of mankind to be done across times and, and cultures. So that's why it's part of the Ten Commandments. It's part of the moral law of God. Uh, it, is as, uh, it is ingrained in our nature that we know in every single culture and across time, we know that murder is wrong. Now, when it comes to the Sabbath, um, it, it's also ingrained 
in our nature that there has to be a time, a day for, to worship God. Our nature says that there's a God, that that God must be worshipped. And because of how we are created, we are a, we are a, a people to be, we build societies. We, we, we are in groups all the time. Wherever you go, you, there's going to be a society, there's going to be a group of people. So if there's a group of people, there has to be an, an arranged time to worship God. So some would say that just because the day changed from Saturday to Sunday, that, that, doesn't make, that, that, that makes it not a, a moral law, not a perpetual commandment. But there's a, we can go a lot into it, but there's, a, there's an aspect, there's a positive, it's also a positive law. It's a moral law, perpetual, always there, a positive law, as in the, to pass it by fiat, by an authority that says, okay, this is a day. But uh, we can go more into that. Now, in the last, uh, last section, Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath. Um, yeah, we have time. If someone could please read uh, verses 6 through 11. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there, and his right hand was with him. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them, all he said to him, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Perfect, thank you. So, still, Luke is following the same train of thought. And I honestly wish I could have had time to cover uh, the last section of, of chapter 5, because it's still very related when he talks, when Jesus makes some uh, his, his parables. His, in that passage, he's, in those parables, he's telling the Pharisees, I mean, hey, Pharisees, this is, some, some things are changing. There's, there's something new, something better coming. So all of your laws would be ready to, to, to be done away because there's, there's something better. That's why that's what the, what the old covenant, what the, the ceremonial law, the civil law, was, all those shadows and types were pointing to. This is coming. So I, I wish I could have had time to explain that. But um, in this last section, we see that Jesus is pretty much performing the function of a rabbi. He's teaching in the synagogue. And another law of the rabbinical tradition was that to do, um, uh, in order for someone to receive medical attention on the Sabbath, it needed to be a life-threatening situation. So this man, obviously, is not, it's not a life-threatening situation. So the, the scribes and the Pharisees here in this case, they are actively trying to accuse Jesus of breaking the law, uh, of breaking the fourth commandment. So Jesus, again, knowing their thoughts, their, their hearts, um, he brings this man um, forward in front of everybody. So... So everyone, everyone can see him. And what was the reaction of the scribes and Pharisees in response to Jesus' question? So verse 9 says, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath to save a life or to destroy it? So Jesus looks around and just very awkward moment, complete silence. Pretty much when I ask you, do you have any questions? Nobody says anything. So... For the, for the Pharisees, I mean, it would be absolute nonsense, and, and they know that. If, if, they resp- if they say, well, it's to do, to do harm. Like, no, that they know that. They can't say that. that it's, the Sabbath is to do harm. But if they say it is to do good, 
then at the very least, at the very least, they will be uh, painting Jesus as a, at the very least, as a godly man, someone who is doing something good on a day that is is to do good. So, because he, because uh, they knew that Jesus was going to heal the man and do something miraculous, they stayed quiet. They hated so much uh, the Messiah, Jesus, that they would rather be unfaithful to the scriptures. They knew the answer. Uh, but they'd rather be unfaithful to the scriptures, what they were supposed to care the, uh, the most about. Um, they, they did not do it just because they did not want to endorse Jesus. So at the very end, we see that the scribes were actually filled with rage. So they broke the sixth commandment. They, they already in their hearts, they were murdering Jesus. And eventually, it came to, uh, to, uh, to actual murder. Now, um, I put at the very end a quote by, uh, by Calvin. We're not going to read it, but you want to read over it. So with, when it comes to the Sabbath, that's why I said I, I wanted to approach this uh, with a humble spirit because I know that not everyone would agree with, uh, with the way that I see the Sabbath. But um, I, for what I've read, all the way from the early church, you have Irenaeus, you, you have all, all, all of the early church fathers, they were seeing the Sabbath now uh, as the Lord's Day, as a, whole, as a whole day to be dedicated to the, to the Lord. As we, time passes on, we, we come to reformers. Now, Calvin was a very particular, very complex individual when it comes to the, uh, to the Sabbath. Because he, if you read the Institutes, sometimes he seems to, I mean, well, not, not seems to, he says like he, he's not a, a Sabbatarian. Um, he is not a. He does not follow the the the, the fourth commandment as I'm, I'm explaining it. Uh, but there are some other aspects. If you re, if you read his sermons in uh, in uh, in Deuteronomy or or in Hebrews, you see. I mean, he's he's look. He sounds like like a Sabbatarian. You have Luther, for example, who I mean, uh, without without any, any doubts, he was he was not a Sabbatarian. He did not think that the that the Sabbath would apply to us as Christians in the New Covenant. So um, you have all the Puritans, that all of them, they were much Sabbatarians. So I'm just saying this because I know that uh, not everyone has the same view. And, and uh, I, the only reason I'm teaching it this way is because I'm convinced that, that that's the correct interpretation. But I uh, just want to, to highlight that, uh, and that it's one, one of those subjects that I mean, we have to approach humbly. And the other thing is that one of those subjects that um, we have to take the whole scope of scripture. There's not going to be one verse. Chapter, I mean, I, I hate when people say chapter and verse. I get what they're saying, but there's a lot of things that you cannot just proof text things. We have the whole Bible, 66 books in three different languages across continents in, in 1500, uh, across 1500 years. So it's the whole scripture that helps understand doctrines like this, like the doctrine of the Sabbath. But uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer because we're, we're late. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for, for your word. Uh, I ask you, Lord, that you bless your people as, uh, as they sat here and listened to, what I, to uh, what I prepared, Lord, that you give them discernment that they may be illumined by your word, and your Holy Spirit may help them, Lord, to understand if they, there's anything wrong that I said, anything that lacked clarification, that you, your Holy Spirit may, may help them to, to grow in, um, 
in knowledge, in maturity, in, in love for you, that you help us, Father, so we can, as we study all of these things, we can love you more every single day and we can give you all the glory. We ask, Lord, as we transition to corporate worship, that you help us to be faithful, to the, you help us to offer to you uh, clean, pure worship that comes from our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.